it's finally the big day, Varie and Arin's wedding. While Castian arranges for Laris' continued care, Cerise must manage everything that goes into a wedding for a great House of Alderaan. Will these star-crossed lovers find their chance to create their own happy ending? After about 10 minutes on the speeder, gliding over the plains of Alderaan just outside of Crevasse City, Castian, you see the Howling Gundark standing in a field. Castian pulls out his communicator and contacts Bone. Bone? We're right outside. Lower the loading ramp. And as you approach, you see that Bone is following your orders and the loading ramp is lowering. Once you arrive at the Howling Gundark, you see at the top of the loading ramp, pacing back and forth, his little mandible arms waving in the air in agitation, is Skitter, who is rambling on about, In all of my years of service, I have never seen such disrespect for the ways of- Skitter, Skitter, please, we have company. This is Riston Aster. He is here to help Captain Jane. Oh, indeed, sir. Welcome. I am Skitter. I am the quartermaster for this fine vessel. Yes, yes, he's very important. Skidder, I need you to take Mr. Aster, I'm sorry, Dr. Aster, to Jane immediately. I need to deal with something myself. Are the pallets clear to the whiskey? Well, sir, this is actually quite an interesting mechanism that they had in place for this transport. You see, the pallets themselves still operate just fine as pallets for whiskey, but however, the... And his eyes dart to Aster. The secret illicit cargo inside was made so that it could slide out easily on a variety of servos and hydraulics. Okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you. That's been very helpful. Uh, tell Bound to prepare for us to be taking off in the next 20 minutes, okay? Indeed, sir. Do you not wish to have some security when you are investigating the scurrilous cargo that was snuck aboard? I'll be fine. Take Dr. Aster to Jane immediately. I, hopefully he could reboot her system and we can begin to figure out what to do about this. Doctor? Indeed. Please, take me to see the patient. Castine watches the two as they leave, gives it about a minute, and then he walks over to the side of the ship and pulls off a medical box that's been grafted there. He walks to the trunk and opens it up. About time. What was your delay? Castian throws the medical tub at him. Ugh. Patch yourself up. Come on. You couldn't have given this to me before. You. He's muttering to himself as he opens the medical pack and is taking out a couple of stim packs. You can have one, he says, and a back to patch. And let's not forget who shot who with a disintegration. And Castian rubs at the lightsaber burn across his own chest. If that would have hit me, I wouldn't be here to be so... Joyfully helpful to you. Indeed. After a couple of minutes of administering basic first aid to himself, Calder sits up and pushes himself out of the trunk. Casting grabs him by the shoulder and kind of pushes him forward and then moves towards where we're storing the whiskey. In the cargo hold, the pallets of whiskey look undisturbed, except that next to each pallet is an enormous slab of carbonite, each bearing the relief of a person frozen within. All right. I take it those are your agents that you were smuggling off Ordmantel? You won't be offended if I take a moment to ascertain that their vitals are still strong. If anything's wrong, then it's your fault. We haven't touched them. Go ahead, check them out. 
Obviously, you have. Well, obviously, I have. Go and check him out. Calder approaches one of the carbonite forms and bends down next to it to read a computer readout that is embedded in the side of the carbonite. He nods in approval at that one, moves to the second one, and does another cursory examination. Yes, it does appear that all is in order. Okay, do they have repulsor jets on them, or do we have to let you borrow some? The pallets themselves are built with the repulsor technology that we need. Fine. And Castian points towards where there's still whiskey on top, and he says, unload them. You can keep the pallets. I think the whiskey is the least you can do, and the least interesting thing that you want out of this. Fine. And remember our deal, Kaladar. The only reason I'm not killing you is because the Emperor, for some reason, finds Black Sun useful. I believe we've reached an agreement on how we can both leave here without bugging each other. Is that correct? Correct. All right. Please unload my crates of whiskey and take your repulsor, your land speeder, and get off my ship. Calder looks like he wants to say something snarky in response, but holds his tongue and begins moving the whiskey. Cassian just watches him. The whiskey is heavy and not the easiest to move, but it doesn't take a huge amount of time for Calder to remove it. Once all of the whiskey is off, you can then see that embedded in the top of the pallets is a series of very well-hidden controls. It looks like they were actually obscured by the hover controls for the pallets. And as Skitter said, once Calder activates these controls correctly, a series of servos and hydraulics very quietly lift the carbonite up just an inch or two off of the ground and slides it seamlessly back inside the pallet. The pallet closes behind it, and once again, if you didn't know what you were looking for, you would have no clue that there was anything amiss in this pallet. Obviously, this is very expensive and specialized technology that's not available on the open market. Castian just tries to pull off I'm bored. And hopefully when he puts all the carbonite slabs away, they just head off towards the landspeeder, hook them up, and Castian tosses him the ignition rod to the landspeeder and says, All right, I believe our deal is done. Correct. All right. Well, Caldor, I'd say this has been delightful, but, well, it has been because I won. Leave now. Oh, don't get all pouty. You could spend this however you want. You killed the ISB agent and got your men back. You will never hear from me again. But perhaps... In your darkest nightmares, you shall hear from me. Run along, Calder, before the evil Inquisitor takes your head. Calder inserts the ignition rod and the land speeder sputters to life. Without one more look behind his shoulder, he turns in the direction of Crevasse City and off he goes, speeding across the plains. Man, what a dick, Castian says before hitting the ramp controls and raising them back up. And then Castian is contacting Bone. Bone, lift us up and find a place that we can land about a click away from here. I'm just one to be careful. I don't want him to circle around or send a message to his friends of where we're camped. Just a click will do, okay? And with that, Castian is moving off towards Laris's room. In her room, you find that Riston Aster is standing over Laris. And of course, right next to him is Skitter, who is keeping a very close eye on his charge. She's been like this for the last couple of days. We inserted an IV into her arm, so she's getting some... Yes, I have seen the records that this Skitter 
as you call him, uh, has kept. They are quite meticulous. I'm not surprised. I am impressed. That's kind of surprising. Okay. And what's, what's the diagnosis? How is she? While she is currently stable, there are indeed many errors being thrown out in her sentiment suppressor subprocessor. Not unusual to see this piece malfunction, but it is highly dangerous when it does. Thus, the required biannual maintenance, which, as you noted, she has not been getting. Yes, yes, that's that's going to be a common thing with us, because we're not exactly welcome back to the Empire with welcome arms, as you imagine, seeing as they view her more as equipment than a person. Under the best of circumstances, this is an incredibly difficult piece of cybernetics to repair. Once it has degraded to this point, well, I've never actually seen a unit degrade to this point. So she's doomed. She's going to die? Is, is that? That's not how Laris goes out. That's ridiculous. I did not say that. However, you should prepare yourself for the possibility that your friend may never be the same, even if she were to survive a surgery to replace it. Okay, what are the options? You said surgery to replace it, repair it. What else can you do? Is there anything else that I could do to help her odds? And he just raises an eyebrow. Are you one of the most commended and awarded cyberneticists in the Empire? No, clearly I'm not, but I'm assuming getting a replacement part for this isn't going to be something that you can just swing by your local store to pick up. Indeed, there is nothing on this planet that is capable of helping her. However, I do still have access to some equipment in my home on the neighboring planet of Delea. All right, okay, fine, fine. Is, is there any way that um, we can just do that now? He's going to hold his hands up and surrender. You are the one with all of the power here, Agent. Uh, okay, first off, listen, listen, Riston. And Castian pauses and considers for a second. As I said, I am very much like you as I used to be an Imperial officer. I... Full disclosure, as they mentioned, I was an ISB officer until I retired because I made a very, very bad mistake. But I used every favor I ever scored in the Empire for them not to just, well, make me disappear. I am not here to watch you or spy on you or force you to do anything. So you're, you are not, you are not here as a prisoner. And he pulls out his communicator and offers it to him. I am asking you to help my friend. And if you can tell me she'll be fine for the next couple days, absolutely. We, I, I understand you have a wedding to you attend to tomorrow. Is it? Is it tomorrow? Indeed, at dawn. Then, then if you tell me my friend will be completely fine until, you know, and stable until then, then yes, I'm fine with you going to the wedding. I just need your assurance that you will help us and help her. You can contact your family and say that all is well, you, things have been taken care of, I, I don't care. I mean, I'd really appreciate if you don't mention that I was in fact an ISP agent. That'd be really nice because I don't really want that flaunted around. I would prefer not to tie them up in this any more than they already have been. Fine, absolutely. Just if you can contact them and say you're safe, I think that would be- I will contact them when necessary. Let us finish our business here first. Okay. You need to calm down, young man. I'm sorry. It's been a very trying day, he says as he stands there with burns and blaster marks and cuts. All right. 
I'm not going to force you to go off planet tonight and grab your gear and do surgery on her tomorrow. Can you wake her up at least? Of course we can. And that's not going to be dangerous to her right now? It would not be dangerous to her right now. And of course we must wake her up before we perform the surgery in order to get her consent for anything that we are going to proceed with. I can change the medications that you are giving her currently that will allow her to wake up on her own, but of course we do not want to rush it and force her to wake up too quickly. Of course, of course, yes, that's it. let's do that, yes. And Briston goes to the IV that had been inserted and he changes a couple of dials and knobs on it looks over the readouts that are coming and you see on the heart rate monitor that has been extremely steady and very, very slow and very slightly it is beginning to speed up. Okay, so she, she's going to wake up at some point and... Most likely within the next hour. Alright. Well, Riston... Dr. Aster. Castian catches himself. Dr. Aster, I am taking you at your word that you're going to help her. Please don't make me regret that. And with that, Castian is going to wave him towards the door. Bone, meet me at the loading bay. I did notice that the ship's engines were activated. How far away did you take us? Just a click. Nothing too far. And then Castian is heading towards the loading bay, and he points Bone towards the land speeder. Bone's land speeder that we have yet to name. And he says, I need you to drop Mr. Oster off at uh, Crevos City. Uh, can you do that? Fantastic. Please be back in the next 30 minutes and don't make me worry and don't stop to gamble. You're not that lucky. And Castian waves them off. Castian? Yes? That young woman they captured. You do in truth know her, do you not? Why do you ask? She has quite vexed my granddaughter-in-law. What do you mean? He chuckles a bit. Oh, just that through Arin... I have heard many stories of how the comptroller for his bride-to-be's house has been putting the brakes on many things related to this wedding. Which is good, because Arin is so besotted with Varie that I'm afraid that she would burn through Arin's inheritance before I've even died. And he gives another little morbid chuckle. Hopefully that young woman that you have... No connection to, and in no way, no, of course, will have a good influence on this young family. If, of course, Varie continues to keep her around. Yes, no offense, she seems like a brat. She is a, a bright girl, who has never had to struggle. And now that her family has begun to struggle, she doesn't know how to deal with it. Sometimes adversity brings out the best in us. And sometimes it makes us hunker down and try to hold on to our darkest impulses. Just trying to maintain normalcy. When in fact it is better to grow and evolve. Castian takes a deep breath and looks away before finally saying, Well, I understand why you weren't so welcomed in the Empire. And I say that as a compliment. Thank you. And uh, I'll be in touch. I shall see you again tomorrow evening. Yes, you will. I will, again, be in touch. I'm pretty sure I'm not invited to the wedding, but I will, uh, I'll be keeping an eye out. And with that, Riston Aster goes to the speeder, where Bone is ready to chauffeur him back to Crevasity. And as they head out, Castian turns back around and 
looks towards where Captain Jane's room is at. Then he looks to his left and spots the rather large pile of expensive whiskey, I believe they said. What whiskey was this? Mentellian whiskey. Skitter? Yes, sir. Mentellian whiskey. It's, uh... It's worth a pretty credit, isn't it? Oh, indeed, sir. In fact, we are due to get quite the hefty payment for delivering this payload as asked. Actually, we're not going to be delivering this payload as asked. It's been cancelled, and they're paying us uh, the rest of our due with the whiskey. In Captain Laris's absence, I do believe that I must protest this most, most burdenly. View it as this. Laris has never smuggled people, yes? Correct, sir. Of course, it is quite nefarious to do so. And I'm pretty sure in a contract, she says that any duplicitous acts would be a void of the contract. Is that correct? Of course, sir. So isn't smuggling people like we were just doing a duplicitous act? You have stunned Skitter to silence. Exactly. The contract has been void, but we are going to make it up to Laris. How quickly can you offload that and get paid? So as Skitter skitters off in order to sell the Mantellian whiskey. Castian, where do you go? Uh, Castian makes a few calls using Laris's terminal in her room. Uh, first off, he's calling Cerise Nabella. When Cerise answers her communicator, you hear in the background a cacophony of voices. Some people yelling, some people crying, just dozens of people all wanting to be heard. Yes, this is Cerise. Hi, it's me. Oh, hello. Yes, of course. I am so sorry to relay this, but you have uh, uh, specifically had your invitation to the wedding rescinded. Oh, that's disappointing to hear, but I wanted to tell you that it's been taken care of and Ristin Astor should be heading home within the next 10 minutes. Good, good. That will... I cannot relay that information. There are already enough questions about what happened today. I know, um, and I'm sure you have a lot to deal with right now, but I just wanted you to know that it's been taken care of and that I'm very sorry and that I was already planning not going to the wedding, um, but I hope it goes well for you. That's that's too bad. Yes, but I I, I was hoping to see you... Uh, uh, I'll see you afterwards, I hope. After the wedding, it is a day-long reception. It involves multiple clothing changes, multiple meals, needing to coordinate with multiple caterers. Honestly, the ceremony itself is the only quiet time I'm going to have all day tomorrow. Oh, um, well, you know, I, I'll be here a day or two afterwards of the ceremony, and, um, hopefully you can find the time, or I can find the time to speak with you, but, uh, I should probably stay with Laris, uh, at least until everything's settled here. Ristin was not able to help her? Uh, he he was able to help a little bit, but we're going to require a little bit more of his aid. But uh, er everything is taken care of. I, I, I just want you to focus on the wedding. I know it's important. And I'm, again, very, very sorry. And I'm sure you would have looked beautiful at the wedding. As you're saying that, she is already speaking to somebody else. Yes, of course, I am just finalizing one last detail. When she gets back to the communicator, he's already hung up. And with that, Castian sits down next to Laris and waits about 10, 20 minutes. And then he looks back towards the terminal and raises an eyebrow. And there is a clock swipe as you go back to the terminal. Cutting to a scene maybe 30 minutes later where Castian, you have sprawled out on the terminal catching a short nap. 
And the camera then pulls back to reveal Laris laying on her bed, her eyes fluttering open. Castian stirs as he hears the heart monitor pick up a little bit more. And he rubs at his eyes before turning towards her. Laris, 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 Laris. Hey, 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 how are you? I am fine. I am operating within normal parameters. (laughs) Oh, God. You have no idea how happy I am to hear you say that. What has occurred? A lot. She looks at you. Again, that short nap was not enough to start healing all of the wounds that you took from your run-in with Black Sun at Merrily's. Sir, has there been an altercation? <sighs> Laris, you, um, you had a bit of an accident during our trip back to the uh, Howling Gundark on Ord Mantel. You glitched out when we got approached by a patrol of stormtroopers. And then you had a seizure and locked up. And you've been locked up for the past week. I see. And uh, as luck would have it, I was able to find a cyberneticist that would hopefully be able to help you. Um, We are on Alderaan, of all places. He is a former Imperial. And, uh, oh, oh, and those pallets that we were supposed to deliver, do not worry about it. I took care of it. We were actually uh, tricked into smuggling carbonite-frozen Black Sun agents. Uh, They were in the pallets. Um, They came looking for us, and thus uh, I had to um, convince them that this was an unfortunate accident. Sir, I really wish that you had awoken me sooner. I would have advised against traveling into an inner core world. Laris, Laris, I, I tried. I tried. There was no getting you up. This was the best option. But the good news is... Riston says that he should be able to, I'm sorry, Dr. Aster says he should be able to repair the uh, component, hopefully. Yeah, he says it's, it's a very dangerous uh, operation, but he says he'll do it. It's just going to take a few days. He's currently here on a wedding. I had to sneak into a wedding. How do I look? <laughs> Not good, sir. How are you feeling? As I said, everything is operating within normal parameters. Good. Black Sun has been told to take their agents, which they have, and uh, they have left the pallets of whiskey for us as a apology, um, and we are currently selling those in order to make sense of this trip. So I, I just want you to relax, and if, are you hungry? You've just been slipping down IV fluid for the last couple of days. Sustenance would be appreciated. Good, good. Um, I, will, uh, I will go get you something. Um, everything is fine. And with that, Castian is going to go out... And he's going to get her some instant noodles. But he makes sure that tonight uh, that she is accounted for. I'm sure to the point where she says you can leave. And by can leave, it's please do. Yes. And Castian does leave her after a while. And honestly, he goes to his bed and he needs to he needs to heal up and actually uh, sleep. And as he's laying there, finally, as the painkillers are kicking in, he just stares up at the ceiling, just thinking about his last conversation with Cerise. We come back the next morning. The sky over Alderaan glows pink in the dawn. It is the day of Ari and Narin's wedding. It is held at sunrise, which is the traditional time for all celebrations on Alderaan. The new day representing the new hopes that a celebration like a wedding brings about. Standing on the plain outside of Crevasse City are Ari and Narin, both dressed in white, both absolutely glowing with happiness and excitement. 
of the new lives that they are about to embark upon. There's music playing, there's the crowd gathered, both of their families, friends, influential people and throughout Alderanian society here to see this great and joyous union. There are tears being shed of happiness, and in the back, there is one very harried comptroller who is juggling multiple calls on her communicator, tying together the very last details to make sure that the rest of the day goes off without a hitch. Yes, I understand it is a very large floral order. Now, if you'll please excuse me, I do have another call coming in. Yes, this is Cerise Nabella. Miss Nabella? Yes, yes. This is the baker. Uh, I wanted to confirm that we were able to make the last minute uh, arrangement for the uh, gold-crusted buttercream. It was uh, not easy. No, 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 no. We did not order that. I was very insistent that no matter what the bride was demanding, that that was not what we were going to order. As you said, it, it was not to come out of your accounts, uh, but it, this seems to have been gifted from a, uh, a lady luck jealousy. Well, that it was not... And she pauses. The cake is uh, completely done and we have delivered it. Is there anything else you need from us? No, apparently not. Thank you for the information. You have a pleasant day and thank you very much. And she turns off the communicator. Another call already coming in. And as she turns around to answer that call, Castian is going to be standing there. In a different disguise, this one's a little bit more looks like how Castian looks. He's a pale guy, black hair, a goatee, but he's standing there behind her dressed in a nice suit. And Angela, I'm going to flip a destiny point, and he's going to say, you know, the individual who is paid to chauffeur you around uh, is very committed to his job, but 10,000 credits is a lot of money to turn down. And he holds out a Capian Rose the only one that they had at the florist shop. And he smiles towards her. I don't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to see you, and I hope this was an okay compromise. I'll be driving you to the reception. Castine holds the rose out towards her. She takes it with the hand that is holding the communicator, and she drops the communicator to take the rose as it goes off. And as the officiant at the front of the crowd is proclaiming that these two have been joined in blissful matrimony and invites them to share their first kiss as husband and wife. At the back of the crowd, hidden behind an Alderanian blooming cherry tree, you and Cerise. Kiss. Absolutely. We absolutely kiss. And it is not that peck, or is it? it's not even that carnal kiss that they shared in the hotel. This is, I would say, romantic and beautiful. The music swells around you as the entire crowd cheers, unbeknownst of the second romantic moment that was taking place at this wedding. If you'll have him, Castine will be at the wedding, probably hiding in the back, wherever the help is. And the reception does last the rest of the day. An Alderanian wedding, at least one for a noble house, is literally a dawn until dusk affair. So Cerise is certainly kept busy throughout the entire day, but any time that she has even just a chance to breathe to herself, she looks across the room and she sees you standing there. Castine likes this moment, but as the day continues on, occasionally when he's watching Cerise just do everything she is doing and- And doing it very well. This is really the first time that you've seen Cerise in action. 
the first time that you've been around Cerise and had nothing to do except dote upon her. But this is a woman who is incredibly competent at her job. The Ordens are lucky to have somebody like her. Honestly, this is a step down from her previous duties, but she treats them no less seriously. And with honestly just seeing that kind of dedication, Castian does pause. And at one point he finds himself just alone in the refresher. And he's just looking himself in the mirror and seeing this is a private refresher, nothing, something for the staff that uh, you know, allows for privacy. It's not as nice. And he's just looking in the mirror and then he just says, there's no emotions, there's only peace. And he lowers his eyes. What am I doing? I am no Jedi. But you want to be, don't you, Castian? There's a pounding on the door. Hey, some of us gotta fire the torpedoes! I'm trying to be introspective here! Back out at the reception, it is the final affair in this long, long day of the reception. And of course, it is the best part of any wedding. It is finally time to cut the cake. And as this beautiful multi-tiered confection is carried into the restaurant, the entire crowd ooze and ahs as the light from the restaurant reflect off of the literally gold-encrusted cake as it looks like it has been iced in golden foil on all four tiers of the cake. And of course, this is not at all what Cerise authorized to be done. But before she can truly react to it, Varie comes running over to her. Varie, of course, in her beautiful white dress, multi-layered, multi-tiered, looking like a, a beautiful vision of the most happiest bride on all of Alderaan, runs to Cerise and just grabs her in such a deep, tight bear hug. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I knew that we would be able to do it. Yes. Yes, of, of course. Uh, I wanted to surprise you. And Cerise once again looks across the room, wanting to share this moment with you, Castian. And she doesn't find Castian. <sighs> Castian waits for the good doctor to uh, leave the party. And when he does, Castian is there in the shadows and clears his throat. <clears> throat> doctor? She's awake now. Good, I would be quite concerned if she hadn't. Uh, let's go, if that's okay with you. He looks towards the party. I think I'm done here. And Riston yawns a little bit. Indeed, these Alderanian affairs are far too taxing on an old man like me. Not at all how things are done in my home, but this is where we are now. Come along. I have Bone to pick us up. And he's heading off. Not happy, but there is no emotion. There's only peace. Hopefully one day he'll find that peace. And Castian is going to take the good doctor to see Laris. Could you be honest with me, doctor? What are the odds of this being a successful operation? Well, that depends on what sort of operation she opts for. What do you mean? I mean, I thought we had to repair this thing. Repair is an option, but removal, of course, is another. What do you mean, re removal? She said that wasn't an option. She said only repair was an option. That may be all that she was aware of. Of course, removal is a last resort. It is an irreparable change. But is it safer? 
Considering our circumstances, most likely. So it's safer. What changes will take place? You are aware of what a sentiment suppressor subprocessor does. I can't even pronounce that quickly, so no, I don't know what that does. It is a unit that is designed to allow the user to make decisions free of emotions. It suppresses those emotions, and if your Jane has had this suppressor for her entire life... She has never had to deal with such things. Castine gets an annoyed look on his face and just turns his head and just kind of scowls as Bone drives them towards the Howling Gundark. Is something wrong? Yeah, something's wrong. Someone lied to me. And we're heading off towards the Howling Gundark. And when we get there, Castine is going to point towards the doctor and says... I'll speak with her first. Please, if you want, you can grab a calf from the uh, galley if you like. I shall. Thank you. And Castian is heading off. Is she in her room? He told her to stay in her room, but it's it's Laris. She might be not in her room at this point. She's not in her room. He checks the bridge. She's at the bridge. You were supposed to stay in your room, he says, as he enters the cockpit and closes it behind him. I was feeling fine. Mm-hmm. And he crosses his arms over his chest and leans against the door. Did you have a good day at the wedding? Yes, it was a magical moment for me. You said that this had to be repaired, your cybernetic. Correct. You knew it could have been removed, the part. The sentiment suppressor subprocessor? Yes, you knew. You didn't bring that up. It's a lot safer to take it out, and I'm sure we could have found a cyberneticist to take it out. That would not have been advisable. Not advisable. It's the, it is significantly safer if we just remove this damn thing. If you try to repair it, you don't know what you're risking. But it is a decision for me to make. Laris. Castian closes his eyes as he tries to focus on his breathing and his exercises and his meditation. Laris. Laris. And he takes a deep breath and then looks towards her. You have been there for me and you have saved my life countless times. Correct. So I will follow whatever you want me to do. I will not try to talk you out of it. I just want to say one thing, and that's all. But afterwards, you tell me your decision, and we will do that. It is safer if you remove this node. Logically, it makes sense to remove the node. But if you were to tell me that in order to be who you are, you need this node repair, you need to go through this surgery, this very dangerous surgery... That some people might say is not important. I will trust you. Because if this surgery is what you need to be who you want to be, I will respect that. I'll be worried throughout the entire surgery, but I will respect that. But if you are going to get this repaired, to risk your life to have this repaired, because you are afraid of what you can become, what they took from you, just in order to be what they designed you to be. I want you to know I will also be there for you. To experience all those emotions. To walk you through every last one of them. You can't be afraid of emotion. Because it's who we are. And if you suppress it, that's all you're doing. You're suppressing it, you're hiding it, you're burying it deep. 
Is that not what your Jedi meditations tell you? Castian looks down. Right, it does. But you are not a Jedi. And maybe the Jedi were wrong. Maybe that worked for them, but but maybe it's time for you to decide who you are. And maybe it's just time for me to decide who I am and not rely on what we're told we are supposed to be. And he walks up to her and takes her hand. I'll support your decision. I will infiltrate any government lab <laughs> to get you the part you need. I will be there when you're afraid or happy or just confused. But just take a moment to think it through. And he squeezes her hand and he, he walks out. And then he lowers his gaze as he realizes maybe that conversation was a little bit more for him as well. And he waits with the doctor in the galley as Laris makes her decision, I suppose. A few minutes later, Laris comes to the galley. Sir, and you must be Dr. Astor. Indeed, it is a pleasure to see you up and awake, Captain. And Laris looks back to you, Castian. If I may, sir, I would like to have a private conversation with the doctor. Oh, yes, I, I could, um, I can give you a few minutes to discuss things and I will be in my, uh, my room. It is my understanding, and please correct me if I am wrong, doctor, but as this is a complicated and delicate procedure, no matter what way it goes, I should have many questions and this could take some time to decide. It may be more than just a couple of minutes. Indeed, it is important to make sure that the patient is informed of all of their options. So you need a few hours? Perhaps. Castian looks towards her, then towards the doctor, and then says, I could probably use some fresh air. Is it okay if I leave you alone in the ship for a few hours? If you need me, I just give me a, a call. Of course, sir. I have something else I have to do. So uh, you two have a conversation. And with that, Castian is going to leave them. And you know what, Angela? Castian's jumping back in that land speeder, and he is flying back towards Crevasse City. Castian is heading back, you know what, towards the wedding. If anybody's there to make sure everything gets put away and organized, you know it's going to be Cerise Nabella. And yeah, he is parking his speeder illegally if he has to, and he's running up the stairs towards the reception door. Night has fallen on Crevasse City. If you look past the mountains, you still see some gray light. But of course, this valley has such a short amount of daylight every day, even in the midst of summer, that even though by the chronometer it is not terribly late, it is very dark in the valley. But at the reception location, of course, it has been a very long day, and there are many things to clean up, and there is one person who has been left to settle the bill. Cerise. And when she turns around after signing off on probably a dozen or so data pads, there's Cassian. It's still kind of in his, like, chauffeur suit, but it's a little bit more leisurely undone, and he's just standing there. Where did you go? I was worried that something had happened. Castian is walking straight up to her and grabbing her gently by the arm, and he's walking towards... One of the features of this reception area is there's a garden, and he's taking her out towards the garden. Listen, Cerise, I'm not very good with emotion, um, and I like to say that's, that I used to think that was very noble of me. That was what made a good Jedi, which I wanted to be. I don't know if you know this, but Jedi aren't supposed to be close to people. It's supposed to be very um, introspective. And so when I was with you today, I realized I wanted to be with you, but that scared me because I felt that <sighs> I'm so bad at decisions. 
and that I was just making the wrong one because I wanted to be with you. But Cerise, I realized I'm not that bad at decision making. That my emotions have been maybe the only thing that have kept me sane. I stopped being an inquisitor because I knew my mom and dad wouldn't like who the person I became. That's love for my parents. My love for my co-pilot, my my friend, Laris, drove me to be better. Love has been something that has kept me alive, and maybe I shouldn't be so afraid of it. I need to be careful with it, yes, but I want to be careful with you. I love you, Cerise. I love you, and I want to be with you, and I understand that I am filled with so many issues that it might not be a logical choice to be with me, but I want you to be with me, and I want to be with you forever, if you'd have me. I don't know what that means, but um, I'm not going to run away. I won't run away. Not again. Castian, I love you too, but you can't stay here. Then come with me. I... I... You don't have to make a decision tonight, or you don't need to pack your bags and come with me tomorrow. We can still do what we're doing here, but... Maybe one day, when you're ready, and I'm ready, we'll find a nice planet to fly off to. I would like that. And I'd like to have the rest of the night with you. I can't take you back to the Orden compound. Well, you are in luck because the Cliffshade Inn, he says as he grabs her arm and slowly leads her towards the door, has a delightful morning breakfast. And you lead Cerise Nabella back to the Cliffshade Inn, hopefully, for a lovely evening. And with that, we close out the first rom-com arc of the solo shot. First of many. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Depends on how good the night is. Roll. Yeah. Roll, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I do need to roll for conflict. You do. You've been taking some conflict, especially last episode. So why don't you uh, roll and see if you're still on the light side? Okay, so my conflict for this entire episode has been four. Okay. So you roll a d10. I got a four. All right. So your morality does not go up or down. You know what? I will take it. I will take it. So Castian, he didn't get better. He didn't get worse. He's still at a strong 70. Very good. So, we don't usually get to have a closing remark. We usually just close it off, but let's leave the audience with a question. So far, we've told you all that Bone has a delightful little land speeder. We need a name for that. So, I think the question for our audience should be, what should we name Bone's land speeder that is now part of the Howling Gundark? I like it. Leave a comment. Leave a tweet. We don't care where you do it. But uh, thank you for listening. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible podcast network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.